dreamers, and welcome to True Crime Sleep Stories. Little old Peachy here. Peachy death, if we're being formal. But we're not. You may have seen me around. If you haven't, you will. I am the smile in the moon's face at night. I am the warm embrace of your lover. I am in hurricanes and ice flows and tragedies and lava lamps. I am the perfumed scent in the ether. I am your new neighbor who works at the dress shop. I am a weaver of stories and I am the voice that will be lulling you into the gentlest repose. Put your birds to bed, fluff up your pillow, and grab your stuffed snowman. Curl up. Get cozy. We're going on a walk. Unspeakable. Dream all you want, for it is all that you have. I slaughter your children and I must laugh. Living to bring evil, living just to die. I care nothing for you or how you cry. Unspeakable. In 1986, 20-year-old Kurt Strubing was known for being a boy in a band. By then, he was part of Enemy, a power thrash metal band, but he had been active in the local metal scene since he was a teenager. We've all known him. Most of us have probably been in love with someone like him. Crazy talented, tortured, creative type, dreamy. Here's looking at you, Eric Glendy. Kurt started his first band with some high school friends in 1983, a project called Night Prowler that released two demos, Eat Death and Back for Seconds. You can imagine the intensity. From there, he went on to form Enemy, and by 1986, their first album, Unholy Death, had been released with plans for a follow-up record already in the works. Tragically, that plan would never come to fruition. Unholy Death was filled with fire and brimstone lyrics, songs about hell and death and agony, violence and demons, blood, suffering and slaughter, and the end of days very potently dark thoughts that were unfortunately indicative of Kurt's inner turmoil. Strubing was known to struggle severely with drug addiction, which caused him to experience violent hallucinations when under the influence, depending on who you asked. Some close to him would attest to his heavy drug use. Some would staunchly insist the opposite. The agreed-upon fact was, at least, that he was profoundly mentally unstable at this time and that it seemed to be escalating. His friends said that he had 
gotten weird. These struggles would forever change the trajectory of his life and those around him as the darkness continued to take hold. On April 7th, 1986, Kurt Strubing claimed to have taken a much higher drug dose than was his usual. He alleged that the unusually high dose of drugs caused him to hallucinate to the point of believing that he was a robot. In his drug-induced state, he began to wonder if his mother, Darlene Strubing, a data processor for Pacific Northwest Bell, might also be a robot. As delusion took over, Kurt found a hatchet and a pair of scissors and proceeded to brutally attack Darlene, cutting open his own mother to see what was inside. Unsurprisingly, not the cogs and mechanisms of a robot. Kurt then called 911, reporting that he had just killed his 53-year-old mother in her home. As he was escorted away in a police car, he unintelligibly tried to explain the events that led up to the murder. In his own words, It's been a long night. I just got off from reality. Can I still be an artist? Police demanded to know why he felt compelled to kill his mother, and Kurt replied, I just got caught up in everything. I couldn't cry. I learned too late that I could be whatever I wanted to be. Whatever he wanted to be. How did we end up here? Strubing's parents were divorced. He was known to not get on well with his father, but he and Darlene never seemed to have any problems. However, there clearly was a problem with Kurt's mental and emotional state at this time. The signs were there, in retrospect, in the weeks leading up to Darlene's murder. Kurt had just cut off his waist-length hair which was a bold and unexpected move for the thrash metal rocker. His bandmates said that he was acting strangely, insisting that he could read people's minds. He eventually believed that he might be a robot and that those around him likely were as well. Kurt accused people of stealing from him, of wanting to do him harm, one friend had rented a carpet shampooer for a project they were working on, and without their knowledge, Kurt drank the entire bottle of carpet cleaner, making himself incredibly ill. His reasoning was that he was trying to clean himself out. He stripped naked and walked home. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Kurt was arrested and later pleaded guilty to second-degree murder. He was sentenced to 12 years in prison, though even the prosecution had sought a shorter sentence. As written in the Seattle Times... Documents indicated that prosecutors and defense attorneys agreed Strubing was mentally ill, although they differed on whether he was criminally insane at the time of the murder. Both had agreed to recommend an eight-year sentence, but the judge instead handed down a 12-year prison term to be served in the mentally ill offenders unit of the Monroe Reformatory. Strubing was released in 1994, and he would resume a fairly normal life, all things considered. He fell back into his beloved music scene, became a trusted friend and doting father, and figurehead in the local metal community. Friends would say that there were two Kurt Strubings, the one they knew before his mother's murder, and the one who emerged after nearly a decade of incarceration, a changed man who seemed to have found a light in the darkness. That is, until his sudden death in 2005. At the age of 39, Strubing was sitting in his car at an open but barricaded bridge in Seattle, Washington, waiting for a boat to pass. Suddenly, he drove his Volkswagen Jetta through two barriers on the bridge, careening off the edge and plunging to the ground more than 50 feet below. Police investigators and motorists who saw the crash were bewildered as to why Kurt abruptly drove his car off the bridge, seemingly with no rhyme or reason. Loved ones struggled to make sense of it, laying it to rest as being a horrible accident. What was Kurt's reality in those final moments? We'll never truly know. Sometimes, I think, the darkness comes back to haunt us. Unspeakable, hiding in the shadows, creeping up on you. Voices from hell tell me just what to do. I split your skull to watch the blood run. Everything's black with death, no more sun. Unspeakable. If you're still here, thank you kindly for listening to this week's episode of True Crime Sleep Stories. 
and for letting old Peachy sprinkle some sand in your eyes. Hope you're very sleepy and only a little creepy. See you in your dreams.